This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field and deep. Geyer to the wall. Race win! Race win! Race win! D-Man Toy with a two-run walk-off home run. The Rays winning ways here at Tropicana Field continue. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. On the lineup, he pitches. Adamas launches one way up into the air into left field. This one's got a chance. Turning Benintendi, Willie Adamas with his first big league hit. It's a home run against Chris Sale. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good afternoon. Welcome to our latest show. Today we'll chat with Ryan Stanick about opening, his bottle opener, and much more. Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun will join us to discuss an interesting week. We'll look at A Montgomery with hitting coach Jamie Nelson, catch up with Brian Kenny of MLB Network, and introduce you to process and analytics coach Jonathan Ehrlichman. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and our feature guest this week is the opener, Ryan Stanek. Why not open with Ryan on today's show? And obviously over the weekend, the Rays uh, gave away your bottle opener with you on it. How cool was that for you, and what did it mean to have that kind of giveaway? It was pretty cool. It was definitely something that uh, I definitely wouldn't have expected at all to have uh, have happened this year. But uh, when I saw it on the schedule, I, I kind of laughed. And then we finally did some like meet and greet uh, right before the season started. And uh, I got to see it, and I was—I just kind of laughed that it was like it was something of mine that that was given away. I thought it was—it was—it was weird and funny and kind of fitting. But beyond that, I, th- I thought the whole the whole thing was cool. I think it's funny that it talks. It's got a little button, and Brian Kenny starts talking. I think that's 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 pretty funny. But um, I definitely like that it's something that people can actually use, as opposed to some some giveaways. You get things, and you're like, oh, that's cool, and then you just put it away and then like you can actually it's actually like serves a purpose that's kind of nice how many family and friends have uh requested one that you have now collected so they can either be mailed by the clubhouse guys or somebody else limitless <laughs> i don't uh definitely don't think i was able to even get enough i have been asked like more about hey man can i get a bottle opener over the past i don't know whenever the thing the, the promo schedule got announced i had more people ask me to get one of those than I think have ever asked me for anything in my entire life. So I think that's, it's pretty cool. But uh, I made sure I had to grab some for, for at least my whole family and like my good friends. Yeah, at least they're taken care of, exactly. which is good. Yeah. The Brian Kenny part of this, you got to chat with him over at FanFest. I know he threw out a first pitch uh, on Saturday. What's that been like for you? And, and does kind of connecting with guys like that, is it fun for you? What's your take on it? It's fun. Brian Brian's a good dude and got got a got a good chance to talk to him about a lot of things and we did that little commercial thing. And it was it was cool just cuz like he's he's been one of the one of the few people like on our on our side about the whole the whole opener thing from from the jump. So it it's it's always nice to have somebody that gives you a little bit of credibility from the beginning and then like you kind of see how everything's gone to to date. So you're like, "Okay, like 
you get a little bit of credibility from him and then what you we like we've done on the field um has kind of like helped that out too it certainly has. You seem, though, to really enjoy the fun part of this, the promos uh, with with Ryan, the one that was done before the year where you were, you know, getting coffee at the ticket office. How important is that for people to kind of see who you are and, and your personality? I don't know. I think I think it's it's fun. I definitely try to have fun with it because, like, that's just kind of my personality. I like, I like to just goof around and not really be too serious. I feel like if, if you just watch – people on the field you get a very different view on how they are as people like I guarantee if you watch like watch me on the field like that's that doesn't even look like look like me to me out there like I'm never serious always messing around like doing trying to do something stupid just to have fun and on the field it's like the focus level like for anybody is so much higher that you're like you you, I don't know it's just it's just very very different and I think it's it's good for fans and everybody to kind of see us as people as opposed to just players you know what i mean well i think more people probably know you as much for the opener as they do for the hair since hunter wood has been up for a while with you do you have a debate with him as to who's better or or my hair's better it's better his is longer doesn't longer is not always better i'm 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 gonna squash the debate now is there anyone in major league baseball whose hair you are jealous of at all and if so who jealous of or you you're like that's that's pretty that that's good i mean there's some dudes with good hair i'm not gonna i'm not gonna knock it i'm gonna say like woody's got good hair cinder got good hair marisnik's got good flow like oh obviously charlie blackman like they like like there are a lot of guys with good hair but i mean i'm definitely not gonna give woody woody the nod in our clubhouse if it's an ncaa bracket you still you end up in the uh the MLB final? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely in the final four, at least. Um, how is it easier or harder to take care of because you're in Florida, but you also get the benefit of playing in a dome where it's 72 degrees all the time? It's harder. At least on the field here at home is way better because it's not blowing in your face. That that becomes kind of a problem. Syndergaard, like started doing like the, the ponytail, side pony thing, which is kind of a smart play um, outside. But just being in Florida in general, it just is a frizzy mess at times just because of the humidity, but it's, it's, a, it's a process. More product or less product? What's the, what's the secret? I'm figuring that out now. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I've been, I've been trying washing it less, using more product. I've try, I'm trying everything, seeing what I got. Like I got some dry shampoo that's kind of helped. Maybe people want to tweet at you, or or yeah, I mean, I'm all I'm all for like good good frizz frizz tips if 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 they got them. All right, uh, you know the we get back to you know what you've done on the field too, and obviously I think because of the opener, you've gotten more recognized, but you also have pitched very very well. How much do you think the opener has helped you as a major league pitcher and just your comfort level generally as a big leaguer? I think it's helped. It's given me kind of some freedom some some ability to do some different things and and forced me to pitch in a situation that I hadn't pitched in in a long time like since I was starting so I think I think that ability to be comfortable being uncomfortable a little bit like is kind of the trademark of what a reliever does like if if you're not you you kind of have to be ready for everything and if you're not it, it it's a problem so I think being put into that role has helped just kind of calm down everything else around it and the new york times i think had 
said what you were one of the guys who helped change the sport um did you find that how did you see that when you when you read about it or or read the story or what was your thought i laughed actually i just because like i don't know i've never seen myself as something like that um i remember being out of the winter meetings and doing the the interview for it and it was just like it was just like a casual thing and i didn't really know exactly like what the article was going to be about i just was told like hey you're going to meet up and he's going to ask you some questions I was like oh okay like cool no worries and then when the article came out i was like oh wow that's a lot it's a lot bigger than what i initially expected it to be so i thought i, I thought it was really cool and it's like it's a i feel like it's a privilege to be recognized as something like that even though like i don't know if i see myself as that but i just want to play good that's all that's my only focus and obviously you have you know i i think and and have you heard from other opponents friends on other teams that they just don't like seeing whether it's you whether it's hunter wood throwing mid upper 90s whether it was diego that it's just uncomfortable as a hitter to have to face 98 99 for one inning or two innings right out of the shoot yeah it's it's i think i don't i haven't really talked to a lot of other hitters about it just talking to our guys knowing knowing how they feel and their thought process of it and like I guess the confidence that that our guys have doing it and our our, our guys have playing behind it and, and understanding it I think that's that's a big factor in, in in the whole thing so I don't know I, I I'm sure it's not probably not a, a fun experience for for somebody right off the bat a lot of hitters want to go up there see some pitches get comfortable like kind of get in the flow of the game and and if you can kind of force that process or make them in any more of an uncomfortable state i think that's that's always a a good thing for for a pitcher chatting with ryan stanekin this week in race baseball so i guess the question is now that you've gotten accustomed to doing this what do you do when you're done as an opener i mean do you do arm exercise and then go back to the bullpen when do you go because they're still your guys and the camaraderie of bullpen is pretty important yeah, it's kind of a it's a weird it's a weird shtick after the uh, after I'm done. Uh, I just kind of go in, do my shoulder program, and if I have to work out or haven't like or, or haven't worked out prior to the game, like I'll go in and do whatever I need to do to get ready. And I guess I get get ready for like the rest of the the series, the like the week or whatever is going on. And as soon as I'm done with that, that usually takes maybe three innings so if i like i can do that and maybe grab like a snack and then i'll come back out and and sit in the dugout and watch the game and just be a cheerleader for the rest of the game but i it, it's kind of hard to, at home well i mean anywhere usually to run down to the bullpen again because it's either under the concourse or running through the field to play and you're like i don't want to be that guy <laughs> the only reason i ask that is because i'm curious how many guys in the bullpen then come up to you and say hey what'd you see what you've you know because you're a reliever but you're starting and there you're going to probably pitch an inning or so so they may get some cues just based off the reaction that you got out of them yeah that's i that that's not something that we'd ever really like talked about a whole lot but that's a, that's a pretty good point that but i think a lot of it goes into we have our scouting reports and we have our information and 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 the numbers that back what what we want to do in our in our game plans and everything like that and most places you can watch the game on the TV or I mean you're close enough that you can you can see the game like as it's playing out like uh, up up close so it's kind of one of those things where if they'll have more conversation between the person sitting next to them as opposed to 
somebody that's already played because most of the time the guys that have already pitched or whatever don't end up back in the dugout for the most part. Makes sense. Mike Zanino said earlier in this week, this is as much fun as I've had playing baseball. The start that this team had, how does it rank for you? Because you've been on some great college teams at Arkansas. You were part of last year's run. How does it feel for you? It's special. It's, 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 it's a special group of guys that we have here. I feel like it's it's hard to describe. It's it's a it's kind of a different mentality and a different attitude and a and a, a way of looking at what we're doing and not really taking anything anybody says about us or to us too seriously and we, like whatever. It's, you just go out and handle ours and move on with our with our with our day. And everybody likes being around each other. It's 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 incredibly important to like your teammates. And when you when you like every guy one through. 40 on the roster like that's that's a pretty special thing to have in a big group that like that that gets along and the coaching staff does a really good job of like kind of letting us be us and have fun and we like the coaching staff so like it's it's one big unit that like really enjoys being around each other which it's I mean that's that's hard to do it's hard to assemble a group of people like that and enjoy everybody like that's I mean just picked 40 people on the street like with from all different walks of life it's like how often are you going to find 40 that you're like i like all of you instead of like you're like no those 12 guys five five six people i'm like i don't really like them like that's it's it's a it's a it's kind of a crazy cool thing to be a part of and and it's it's just fun and the smaller unit the bullpen chemistry what's that like oh it's a lot of fun it's just a bunch of idiots it's 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 fun it's we got we got a lot of really good people like it's it's a group that's been together for a while like we've we've had three four years of playing with each other for the most part and then like coming into the year we like we brought in Emilio who's a really good dude and it's it's it just it's it is what it is like with like like I said before it's just there's a lot of good people and everybody likes each other and you can sit there and you mess around with the whole bullpen as opposed to like just like I guess whatever it be like the American players hanging out with the American players and the Latino players hanging out with them like like everybody hangs out together and that's I think that's a really important part well hopefully that enjoyment continues all the way through this season we appreciate some time thanks for opening this week in Rays Baseball appreciate it Neil it's Ryan Stanick we'll continue in just a moment you're listening to the Rays Baseball Network we continue on this week in Rays baseball, and time now to take a look at the week gone by and kind of a mixed bag for the Rays. It started off great, and then it's hit a little bit of a lull the last few days. Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun joins us. Doug, thanks for being with us for a few minutes. Kind of a, a strange week in a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean, it, look, obviously we are still looking at our overall record and playing really well overall, but concerns coming in with the last three games. Obviously the way we've lost the last couple games is a little more concerning to me with some studs going in there in the back end of our bullpen in Boston being able to get, to get to them. Uh, that being said, you know, overall we're still playing well and we still have a chance to take one from Boston before they leave and Kansas City comes in. Sometimes when you lose an extra inning home game, it can take a little bit of the starch out of you. I don't think it's taken the starch out of the group, but it's the fact that they had to run three straight openers because of the Blake Snell injury, I think has impacted the pitching staff a little bit. Oh, no doubt. I mean, look, Blake Snell being on the mound would be an improvement compared to just about everybody. I mean, look, this is a former Cy Young award winner, and when you lose your number one starter, 
it's hard. It's hard to cover that. And, you know, we've had to do it with an opener. And, sure, that's changed the dynamic of the first game of the series against Boston. Uh, but that being said, you know, we still fought back. And some of the things to look at, if you're looking at the glass half full, is the fact that our offense continues to come back and and go at it and not give up. And it's really nice to see that part of it. Um, it it's a bunch of guys on this team that really have a no-quit attitude. I mean, we were down by five uh, in the Saturday game. And we came back into that game to tie it. And at a certain point, I thought we were going to win it. Um, didn't end up getting the victory. But still, these guys have a lot of fight to them. So, you know, it's so early in the season. It's good to see the youth coming through in clutch situations. We just haven't gotten the last few games. And hopefully that will turn around. So no question about that. I think the Rays have missed a couple guys, too. I mean, first of all, they're missing Mike Zanino which would have given balance in the catching situation, righty-lefty, uh, in terms of some of the matchups with uh, the Red Sox. And then, two, you're also, you lost G-Man Choi during the course of uh, the game on Saturday with some tightness. You're still without Joey Wendell, and you couldn't activate him last on Saturday because you were short on pitching. Right. You're talking about um, all the position players. Obviously, we already hit on the fact that, you know, we're lo- we lost Blake Snell for a little bit. And then, you know, Joey Wendell is out. Now, Choi. Um, yeah, we are dealing with some injuries and we're dealing with some guys missing a little bit of time. You know, the unfortunate one is I agree with you, Zunino. I mean, if you look at his last five games, he's absolutely roping the ball. You know, and that was somebody that we would have loved to have had the first couple games against Boston. He matches up well against his team uh, with their lefties. And, you know, unfortunately, we weren't able to have him. But, uh uh, he'll be back soon enough, and you know it is encouraging when he does come back, and when some of these guys do come back on how healthy they are and how well they're playing. Yeah, the good in that is that it's for the right reason. It was for uh, his his first child, Red. Happy for him and his wife Alyssa uh, with their first child, and now once they get him back, obviously he's going to be a big part of the mix. Uh, as will Blake Snell when he comes back too. A guy who's been a big part of the mix all the way along has been Tyler Glasnow. He will start the game today. What's impressed you the most about him? You know, honestly, going into spring training, we watched him together, and he didn't look sharp at all. Um, what I love that he did going into the season is he basically, he and Kyle Snyder said, you know what, let's pick up the tempo in my delivery, let the athletic ability take over, and just let the ball fly. And what he's doing now is taking a lot of the thinking out of it, and he's going out there with sheer athletic ability and an attitude saying, I'm going to throw this ball past you, and I'm going to get you with my stuff. And he's attacking the strike zone. I mean, he's not he's not walking a lot of guys. He's commanding the strike zone, and his secondary pitches are absolutely filthy. So when you have that kind of combination coming out of a six foot seven, six foot eight frame, uh, it's really, really hard to miss. And, uh, you know, he's just been so fantastic so far. He's 4-0 on the season. And I expect him to come out here and really do well against Boston. I mean, he matches up well, just his sheer stuff. And he can he can wipe out a lineup just going out there and attacking the strike zone. And the Rays do need a stopper right now. They've allowed six runs in three straight games, which is hard to fathom when you consider how good their pitching was for such a long stretch. Right. And you're talking about not only the starters, but also the relievers. I mean, the relievers have been just dynamic. And um, Boston's been able to get to come of our best relievers in Alvarado and Castillo over the last couple days. But, you know, obviously that's not going to last. I mean, those guys, their stuff is so good. You would bet on them over any offensive player just about any time. And then you're talking about the also the starters. I mean, Blake going down doesn't help. But uh, Charlie Morton, you know, unfortunately giving up some runs early in the game. But that's Saturday. But, uh, you know, does a great job bouncing back. So, yeah, I mean, look, there's a little bit of a speed bump here. 
sure with the entire pitching staff, but you know, I really subscribe to the fact that I think this staff is so good, and Kevin Cash matches up with everybody so well, he tends to put everybody in situations where they can succeed. So you think over the course of the year, it's going to work out for the Rays, and I see this staff really getting it done. And they've had to cycle through some guys. I actually was impressed by what Casey Sadler did to finish a game two nights ago and what Jake Faria did on Saturday night. That's the best he's looked in a long while. Yeah, Faria came in here, and Cash even said in the postgame interview, he talked about how great it was for him to come in there and get some big outs because, look, this bullpen's been taxed. I mean, they've been they've been used a lot lately, uh, and Jake needed to go out there and clean some innings up, and, um, and he really did a fantastic job. He was attacking the strike zone. He got some really good big league hitters out. I thought his off-speed pitches were great. I mean, it, his hook looked pretty good. The split finger was pretty outstanding at times. Uh, he was able to locate it, and, and behind that, the fastball, obviously. you got to pitch off the fastball. So, overall, I thought Faria came in, did a great job. Sadler, he did a great job. So, you know, you got a couple guys coming in there in tough situations going against a really tough team getting the job done. Yeah, I think that the piece of this that, look, nobody thought that Boston was a 6-13 and team coming in. They've shown that they're not an 8-13 and team either. They're a lot better than their record. I think it was only a matter of time. I think everybody kind of had that feeling like, oh, man, well, I just hope they don't start clicking when they come to Tampa. <laughs> and that's unfortunately looking like they are. I mean, we saw them over the last 10 games, well, now 11 games, they've been 6-5. and five, So they're playing over 500 baseball, right? So they had a really bad first 10 games. But since then, they've started to turn the corner a little bit. And now we're starting to see Boston, what we expect from them. I mean, a lot of offense, you know, some pretty good pitching. And uh, you only expect them to continue to get better and better with all the talent they have. So hopefully we can take one and uh, see how we match up with them for the rest of the season. Yeah, they led baseball and run scored last year. They scored six in each of the first two games. You figure their offense is going to be tough to deal with. Right. I mean, look, you go out there against a team like this, you're a pitcher, you're not expecting to necessarily shut anybody out. Uh, you're going out there and you're expecting to have people on base pitching out of your jams, and that's what good baseball teams do. They put pressure on you by putting guys on base. And you know Boston's a very, very good team. They got a lot of talent in that dugout, and they're very mature. They take a very mature approach to their at bats. I mean, you look at JD Martinez. The guy's been on base, I think, every single game so far this year, and uh, he's just only one of the many weapons they have in that lineup. So, you know, offensively they're a powerhouse, and we just got to hope to go out there, hold them to just one or two runs, and then our offense can continue to hit. Doug, good stuff. Thanks very much for a few minutes. All right, anytime, buddy. And that is Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun. Before we continue, why don't we pause for station identification. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. WTAE St. Petersburg, WBTP HD3 Clearwater, W224BE Brandon, and W237CW Pinellas Park. Well, we continue on this week in Rays Baseball, and time now to take a look at things on the minor league side. Let's go to AA Montgomery, the uh, Biscuits, one of their coaches. Joining us right now is Jamie Nelson. Nelly, thanks very much for coming on the program. You got it, Neil. My pleasure. Hope you're doing well. We are. Obviously, things going fairly well here at the big league level. I know you guys are one of the teams in the Rays system that's off to a pretty good start, and you've got some talented prospects that I want to touch on from a position player standpoint. I know you worked with uh, Nate Lowe last year as he ascended from high A to triple A. Now you've got his younger brother, Josh. What has he been like? How are the two different from one another? Well, Nate was just a little more mature, obviously, as a person and a, a player, being that he went to college. Um, but his younger brother, Josh, is very mature. I mean, he's learning on the fly. Um, last year, I wouldn't say was a 
very productive year for him. So now he's gone from there to the men's league in double A, and he's getting overdosed with off speed. But he got off to a really good start, which helped him build a little confidence. But character-wise, he never gets too high and he never gets too low from what I've seen so far. But fortunately for us, we haven't seen him for a reason to be too low. He's, he's been, uh, and no pun intended, mm-hmm. but he's been, uh, he's been really good. How talented is this kid? I mean, obviously first-round pick, um, and he's still kind of learning himself. Well, I, I, he's a five-tool guy. He can hit. He can hit with power. Um, he's got a cannon. And he can run. I mean, he's that's where he and Nate really differ. <laughs> um, but but uh, Josh can run. He can really run. And he's, he's exciting to watch. It's been fun to work with. Um, and I have to be a little more patient with him because of his youth and inexperience. And he's not the only young, talented outfielder in the group. Jesus Sanchez kind of got a taste of double-A last year. I saw him in big league camp, and, boy, he looked you know a lot stronger physically. How has it played out so far? Well, he's had ups and downs. Um, he's had some stints where he absolutely crushed the ball throughout the entire game, and then he's had some stints where he chases a lot of pitches out of the zone. So he's he's an undisciplined hitter, but when he gets his pitch, it's coming off that bat pretty firm. And um, he just needs to learn a little more plate discipline and learning how to get his pitch prior to two strikes especially. And he's, he's, he impacts the ball, Neil. He really impacts the ball when he gets his pitch. You know, you touched on Josh Lowe, who obviously you said can run. You've got one of the, the faster guys in the system in Lucius Fox, a shortstop, um, a switch hitter too. Um, where has he grown? I know he had a pretty good Arizona Fall League. Yes, he, he and he got off to a good start here. Um, and then it's funny about hitting. Sometimes all you do is go to sleep, and the next day you wake up and, it, and that feel is gone. And right now he is battling and grinding it out to get that feel back. And through this process, he's been a little bit undisciplined as well. Uh, we just met a, an American League team, and the difference is National League teams throw more fastballs. So Foxy's getting a whole lot of off-speed that he's never encountered before. And the team that we just um, were up against, the Angels organization, they have everybody in their organization, or at least in their pitching staff, had a tremendous change-up. And he was vulnerable to it, but he's grinding it out. He'll be fine. He's a super talent, like you said. Um, I, I look forward to seeing him grind this out and get back to where he was at the beginning of the season. Two of the, the last three first-round picks uh, for the Rays are uh, in the Montgomery in Montgomery right now, and one of them is Brendan McKay. I know he's done very well on the mound. How, how have his at-bats been so far? Well, he started off good as well. And, again, these guys that come from a ball to double-A are starting to find out not only how much off-speed they're encountering, but how good these guys throw it, and they put it in the strike zone or just a little bit below. And he's been vulnerable to off-speed lately, um, but the first two teams that we played were predominantly fastball organizations. They were both National League teams, and he did well. He, he's, he's learning how to use the whole field. But he, he's, he's grinding it out right now, too. He and, he and Fox are in the same spot right now where they're, they haven't encountered this kind of off-speed before. So they're struggling a bit, but um, it's been a short little stint. It was just five games, and uh, my, my gut feeling is both of them will figure it out and keep grinding at it. We'll, they'll get it done.
Tristan Gray is a kid who has uh, played a number of different positions. We know he's got a lot of power. They got him from the Pirates in the Corey Dickerson trade. What, it, what has impressed you about him? Well, he's got some sneaky pop. He doesn't overswing. Um, he's he's impacted the ball as well. He I, He's one of our few college guys that is a little easier to work with because he understands more what I'm talking about and how to hunt pitches and how to get his pitch. But at the beginning of the season, he was vulnerable to the pitch down below the zone as well. But he, um, he's he got quick hands, and he's got some sneaky pop meals, I, I mean, to all fields, really. Dalton Kelly you had last year. I know he was bothered by a hand injury, and the year before that, he was awesome. So is he starting to kind of return to that form of 2017? He's getting there. He's getting there. Oh, guy, I hate to sound like a broken record, but uh, when he gets his pitch and he stays disciplined, he impacts the ball as well. Um, like I said, we, we just were vulnerable almost as a club to change-ups below the zone. And they weren't just good uh, or decent change-ups. They were really good. Dalt, when he stays disciplined and stays within his strike zone, he impacts the ball really well. Um, the good thing for Dalt is he had a good offseason. He was healthy. He was able to work out and get strong. So there's no physical uh, elements that are affecting his mental game. And for all the talk about, you know, some of the top prospects we mentioned kind of at the top of this segment, Nelly, you've got a couple of utility guys who I think probably are a little under the radar. Miles Mastroboni, probably more so, and Robbie Tenerowitz. What do you like about each of those two kids? Wow, they're grinding, scrapping ball players that just figure it out. They both don't give in at all. It's good to have Master back. He was on a little leave for a while, but both he and Robbie – they get it. They know how to play. They know what they want to do. They know how to grind it out. And they know there's going to be some, some downs with the ups. And both of them are what I say. When you get two strikes on these guys, they know how to battle uh, more so than our younger kids. And they, they've been a treat to work with. Uh, I look forward to continuing to work with them. Sounds like you got a good group there. Uh, Jamie, we really appreciate a few minutes on this week in Rays Baseball. Continued success. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again soon. You got it, Neil, and likewise for you guys up there. It's been fun to watch. And that is double-A hitting coach Jamie Nelson with the Montgomery Biscuits. Let's move back from the minors to the majors. The Boston Red Sox enter today 8-13. and 13. I sat down with their longtime play-by-play man, Joe Castiglione, and asked how surprised he was about the team's slow start. Really pretty shocked, Neil, because <laughs> this is a good team with a lot of talent. They won 119 games last year. Uh, the West Coast had a lot to do with it. Opening with 11 games away from home, 11 games at 11 days. And uh, it was certainly not uh, an ideal way to schedule. Uh, then you come home and split a homestand with uh, two bad teams, Toronto and Baltimore. And, of course, then uh, go to New York and here. So it doesn't get easier. No, it doesn't. I think the biggest surprise for me is, other than, you know, they announced that Nathan Ovaldi injury, and, and Dustin Pedroia, but by and large, the core of this team is back and healthy, and that and, and the starting pitching has probably been, the to me, from an outsider, has it been the same for you? Yeah, the starting pitching was the real problem early. David Price has come around. The sales showed signs of coming around. Eddie Rodriguez has pitched well. And Nathan Avalli spun a beauty in New York. It's unfortunate, and now he is on the IL and uh, may or may not need the elbow chips removed. I guess the same thing that he had here with... Uh, Tampa Bay. Porcello remains a puzzle, especially with 11, 12 walks in 11-plus innings. And uh, that's been an issue. And, of course, Mookie Betts had a slow start. And really, as the Red Sox, as Mookie goes, so go the Red Sox. 
Yes. Um, and, you know, you look at that lineup, I mean, we don't see a whole lot of difference. I mean, it, do you think this – I would think by season's end, this should still be one of the better lineups in the league. Well, it should be. I mean, it's, it's the exact same roster except for one, Ke- Craig Kimbrell. That's the only change. And it should be uh, explosive offense that led the world in runs scored. And I think that will happen uh, when they start it up. Maybe it was last night. We'll see over the next few days. But uh, it's going to be uh, an uphill battle. I mean, it may take you a month to get to 500. And in your mind, is it um, is it now a three-team race? I mean, the, obviously, everyone expected Yankees, Red Sox, won 100 games. One won the championship. One didn't. That those would be the two teams with the race start, is this a three-team race? I think it is, and I think uh, the Red Sox people believe that uh, the Rays are a legitimate contender. I mean, after all, you won 90 games last year. You've had the best record of anybody since the All-Star break last season, and you have the pitching. Uh, if you, Snell comes back to good health, and uh, you have those young pitchers, and our glass now doing so well, and the addition of Morton, uh, this is a very formidable club, I think. And, uh, you know, you have some youth and pretty good defense, so... I don't see any reason why you won't be in the hunt. You mentioned um, the fact that Kimbrell's really the key piece that isn't here, and, and Joe Kelly as well. Is there any concern? I know Barnes and Brasher have been very good so far this year, but over the long haul, over the six-month season, is there concern about the bullpen? Well, there was last year, too, and the bullpen was outstanding in postseason. And Kimbrell had a tough postseason overall. So uh, it remains to be seen, but I think Matt Barnes has the stuff to do it. And it, the roles have changed a little bit and that Alex is trying to bring Matt in to face the best hitters in the batting order, be that the seventh inning or the eighth inning or on occasion the ninth. So uh, we'll see. Bullpens are up and down. As you know, a lot depends on the amount of work they get. And of late, they've been getting too much work. And that was my other thing. If, with the starters, they almost have to come back to form because otherwise you might have a group that's going to be overworked. Exactly. I think... Uh, you know, that happened, especially the starters last year pitched out of the bullpen in the postseason, which was very, very effective. And uh, you want to get six innings from the starters, and uh, we'll go from there. I think that would help this bullpen immensely. Whether they miss Kimbrell or not it remains to be seen. He's still out there <laughs> on the market, and... Uh, I guess he had some pretty high demands or somebody would have signed him by now. I would think so. So, You know, something that is interesting to me, you know, you hear sometimes the larger markets, the media will make it sound like the sky is falling. And it's still three weeks into the season. There's 140 plus games left. How important in your mind is this series and the next one next weekend in Boston? I think they're very big series, Neil. This is a big April series because uh, this club has to turn it around. Maybe last night was a sign the you never know that till, you know, a week or two or three down the road. But I think it is very important, uh, not so much because they're going to fall so far behind the Rays, but for uh, the confidence level and just getting back to being aggressive and the team that they were uh, last year in terms of their offense. I think the pitching has come around some. and uh, But they are big series because I think there's a lot of respect the Red Sox have for this Tampa Bay ball club. And that is Joe Castiglione of the Boston Red Sox. Brian Kennedy, uh, Kennedy of MLB Network is among those who will be next up on this week in race baseball. This is the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to this week in race baseball. Neil Solon's with you. This year the Rays have a new member of the staff as Jonathan Ehrlichman was moved into a new role as process and analytics coach. And I asked Jonathan how he's enjoying his new role with Tampa Bay. Oh, it's been great so far. Uh, I've really, enjo- really enjoyed it so far this year. Um, I, you know, I think the main difference is really that 
in the, my previous role that, you know, I was involved in kind of all aspects of the organization from the amateur draft, international scouting, player development, and things related to the big league team as well, whereas now it's really a focus you know, pretty much 100% on the major league team. So on a game day, what might have your responsibilities been, and what is a day for you like now uh, coming to the ballpark? Uh, for the most part, before there weren't any specific game day responsibilities. Um, things, you know, the off season versus the regular season, there wasn't a huge difference. There's a, a bit of a difference in focus between uh, in the off season. You know, there's more things related to trades and free agency and getting ready for the year. And then in season, there is a little bit more just based on, you know, game to game. Um, but for the most part, I was working on bigger picture stuff before. So now it's really, you know, focus on just the major league team, like I was saying before. Um, some of uh, some of that is, I mean, I guess it, it really changes on a day-to-day basis in terms of what's going on that day. Some days there's more of a focus on hitting-related things. Some days more of a focus on pitching-related things. Some days there's more of a focus on uh, talking with the rest of the staff. Some days there's more of a focus on talking with certain players. So it really varies day-to-day now. You um, obviously had a relationship with the coaching staff for sure over the last several years. I see you in and out of the clubhouse. Uh, But what's it been like trying to also create relationships with players and building that trust level? And how has that been and how helpful was spring training? Yeah, I think spring training was really key for that. Uh, You know, I I touched base with a handful of players ahead of time just to have a few introductions there. Uh, But really, spring training was a great opportunity in a more relaxed environment, whether it was during the games in the dugout. You know, there's a lot of players that are in there kind of just watching because they're not playing that day or, you know, they're not playing until the second half. And so that's a good opportunity in the cages, on the backfields, during stretch and everything. How How does that relationship, do you think, helps in your role of just kind of understanding and helping and providing information, questions for Kevin and the staff that may help them uh, inevitably win some games. Yeah, I think just having you know a better relationship just means uh, just b- better communication. So I'm able to learn more from them. They're able to learn more from me. So you know all of that can really just help us find ways to win more games. You're in your seventh year with the Rays and your eighth year in baseball. How did you get into this? Um, because uh, you know looking at your background, you played some hockey um, as a youth. What where, what ignited your baseball passion? Yeah, I mean my interest. Yeah, like, like you said, I you know I, I grew up in. Toronto and Canada so I played hockey was really interested in hockey growing up and I really got into baseball as a teenager more from the analytical perspective just because there was you know a lot of public research done on this a lot of data available and really my dad gave me money ball to read probably I was 13 14 somewhere around there and that's what really sparked it because you know I I was always interested in math I math and science in high school I majored in math in college and so you know this was just an example of how that could potentially apply in, in a real world setting and you know from there I took a much bigger interest in it and just that kind of grew over time and then you know now I <laughs> ended up working with a team. Do you after Moneyball did you go to a lot of games as a as a teenager or things of that nature and how how did you experience baseball before you decided hey I want to work in this I know you got an internship in Toronto to start. Yeah I didn't I don't think I attended that many games but I started watching a lot of games on TV and I also started just reading a lot of blogs and a lot of public research into baseball, reading books that have been done on baseball analysis and trying to tackle things from that perspective and, you know, look at things uh, from that perspective when I was watching games or when I was looking at teams or season, you know, season previews and, and things like that. And I think probably one of the neat things that the Rays do is they kind of mix so well the analytical side with the human side. 
How helpful has it been for you to now really be intimate with both because of the time you spent in spring training, seeing players, seeing them, let's say, in, in game action from the field level? Yeah, I mean, I think my familiarity with the analytical side just helps provide a different perspective to the rest of our staff and to our players in terms of what's going on in games and the data that we have available. And I I think being in this role this year and seeing things from a different perspective has also been helpful for thinking of new avenues of research and just what are the things that we're missing and that can make a difference in terms of what's going to happen in games. And how has it been, I mean, Kevin has a great reputation for integrating guys into his staff. So how has that been? I know he, you know, he likes to tease, he likes to have fun, and and it seems like you fit right in with the rest of the guys. Yeah, definitely fit right in in terms of, you know, getting teased and, you know, having a lot of fun. But, you know, I've had a good relationship with Kevin since, you know, day one here. And really with the rest of the staff, I mean, some of them are a little newer than that, but really I've had a great relationship with, with all of them. Can you tell me the origin of J Money then? Since uh, who who started it initially? Uh, that came from Andrew Friedman. Uh, my first year here as an intern, he decided he needed a nickname for me, and I think he probably went through a few iterations and <laughs> eventually started calling me J Money, and it, and it stuck. I'm not really sure where he got that name from specifically. It might have just popped into his head one day, but it it became a thing. And it did stick, and that's race process and analytics coach Jonathan Ehrlichman, also affectionately known as Jay Money. A discussion on analytics dovetails nicely into our next guest. It's Brian Kenny of MLB Network. Throughout a first pitch yesterday on Ryan Stanek Bottle Opener Day, Brian was excited to be part of yesterday's festivities. It's a great honor, you know, to be asked to throw out first ball at a major league game. So, yeah, I've, I've thought that through, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun. You know, it's been fun working at MLB Network and being so immersed in baseball. Uh, it's been great since, uh, you know, I wrote about the opener. and I did the writing for the book um, in 2014, and so then to see it happen in 2018 was amazing. Uh, I thought some of the crazier ideas I had would you know, come to fruition, you know, 10 years out, that sort of thing. But to see them actually do it has been uh, amazing. So, no, this is, it's just, I tell you, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's nice to be a part of it, and you grab uh, the joy wherever you can. And the chance to, you know, you've had a chance back in February at FanFest to sit down with Ryan Stanek and do some fun stuff with him, but also get to talk to him, and he seemed to really enjoy the conversation. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's. Uh, that was a lot of fun just to talk to fans, to talk to some of the players, and then to talk to Ryan himself, who we, we've had on the show a number of times, you know, to talk about what is it like, because there are things you have to take into consideration, but I think he's embraced it and made, kind of made it his own and really um, blazed a trail. Like he showed, he's kind of the prototype. You know, I think a lot of teams can try this and do it. I think the Rays have incorporated it properly, meaning it's not some magic potion. It's not something that changes your team around. It's an option. It's a strategy you can use to help you in, on any given day. Maybe it's every day, but more than likely, it's not every day. It's certain days. And, you know, you, you've, obviously I've read ahead of the curve, and, and you talk about some of the ideas that you were you know, thought might come sooner than later. Why is it that baseball, let's say in contrast, let's say college football or college basketball, seems less willing to use different strategies to your personnel, you know, for instance, you know, you see teams use four wide receivers or, or I backfield or wishbone or, or in college or, or basketball, different types of zones or man-to-man versus, hey, use your pitching step this way because it fits your team the best. Well, I think, you know, one, 
those days are over, right? The one now, we now basically all bets are off. Most every team is open-minded, and it's been open-minded from the top down, meaning even ownership, ownership, baseball ops. So even if the insular culture, which used to be the manager, right, the last of the baseball men, uh, those guys used to, only 10, 15 years ago, those guys were the decision makers. And if they didn't want to hear from the, you know, whatever baseball ops department there was, which was, you know, known, you know, 10 years ago as the kid, you know, if they didn't want to hear from the kid, they didn't want to hear from baseball ops, they didn't have to. And they could reject all information. Nobody does that anymore. Everyone knows that that's uh, not only good practice, it's bad for your business and it's bad for your employment. You know, you cannot do it anymore. So one, baseball is there now. I mean, I think it's, it's, a, it's the age of innovation. I think it wasn't that way because there was nobody forcing it out of its traditional elements. Um, I point out in Ahead of the Curve that international soccer, you are forced to respond. You know, if you're England, if you're Germany, if you're Brazil, if you're Spain, whoever you are, if you're, if you're a certain club, if you're West Ham United, you have to adapt because you're facing teams from other countries and they're doing things right to you that might be better. You, can igno- you cannot ignore that. In United States Major League Baseball, we were it. You know, Japan, you know, Japan is a, is a very good league. There are good leagues around the world, Korean baseball. But basically, we know we're the best. This is the Premier League. This is it. And if you come to us, you've got to play our way. And if we decide that we're playing gentlemen's rules just this way and we're all not going to exhaust our pitching staffs and we're going to be very polite, not, you know, not have an all-out war with you, well, then everybody can do it until somebody forces you to do otherwise. And the Rays have continually been one of those teams to say, okay, you want to stay in your old patterns? We might branch out, and if we start beating you, you're going to have to pay attention. And, and certainly, I think baseball has uh, to a point. And you look at this division with the three teams, Boston and New York and the Rays, who one would expect eventually will all be near the top this year. At least you would think that. They do it different ways. I mean, the Yankees are very bullpen heavy in terms of their strength. The Red Sox starter heavy, although now Nathan Avaldi down with uh, loose bodies in his elbow. And the Rays, obviously, are kind of a, a very much a hybrid. Absolutely. I mean, their, um, their adaptability, their, their flexibility is still uh, a model. And I think they can go further with that. I think they can, they can go and do more tandem starts. I think they can incorporate a lot of different things that other teams aren't. Even last night, and the Red Sox won last night, so it'll go ignored. But there they are. They had Eduardo Rodriguez third time through the order facing them. And that's when they made some hay. So uh, I even see them playing uh, still a little traditional baseball, whereas the Rays will be, especially over a six-month period, a little more flexible, have a few more options, and that will, that will cause a few extra wins here and there. And to your point, yeah, I think the difference between 93 and 96 wins could be the division. Do you see the best team in the American League out of this division, or is it Houston right now as you take a look at the landscape? Obviously, health plays a major factor. Oh, I think Houston's the class of the league. I think Houston's the class of baseball. Uh, I think the Dodgers are very powerful. I think they're the best team in the National League. Um, The NL East is extremely competitive. Uh, The Central is still quite good, NL Central. Uh, But in the American League, I thought the top three teams were all in the American League. But we've seen Yankees are decimated by injuries. They're just not putting out the same team. Red Sox are still excellent, but they, you know, there's just no ignoring what's happened in the first few weeks. They're, they're not the same club. They don't have the same drive as of now. That can change at any point, including tonight. Um, that can click in. 
But what we've seen so far, uh, you know, Yankees and Red Sox have certainly been hampered. And so I think I think the Astros are just going to have it, you know, above everybody else. And in terms of this race team, what has impressed you most beyond the innovation about, let's say, the talent level? Because I think there are a lot of names that may not be household that people in Tampa Bay may know that a lot of people are starting to learn about. Oh, I think they're dynamic. I, I know the, I watched the first series of the season and right away they looked as athletic and again, I'll use the word dynamic, uh, aggressive, physical, talented as the Astros. I mean, if you were if you were coming from the outside, just watch, and you, you know you're a baseball fan, but you hadn't been keeping up on everything, and you watched Astros Rays, you wouldn't know who the 103 win team was from last year. You wouldn't know who the uh, the, the World Series champs two years ago were. Uh, you would just say these are two evenly matched teams, and they certainly look that way. So you have Yandy Diaz, who's hitting a ton. Kiermaier, who's now hitting. Uh, you have you know, uh, Tommy Pham, um, who got off to a slow start, but is tearing it up now and tore it off the, you know, the last half of last year. Suddenly, you have a young, athletic team that gets after it, that takes extra bases, uh, that swings the bat well, that has power you know, up and down. So that's what impresses me, is that they're, they're athletic, they're dynamic, and look, the production is there. You look at their hitters, they have guys tearing it. I mean, Austin Meadows is tearing it up. Now, that, that is unlikely to continue at this level. However, if just every Everybody is above league average and say Pham and Garcia and Meadows end up hitting at an all-star level, well, you have a very possible division champion. And that is Brian Kenny of MLB Network, and special thanks to him and all of the guests on the program today, including opener Ryan Stanick, Doug Wechter of Fox Sports Sun, as well as Jamie Nelson, the hitting coach for the Montgomery Biscuits, Joe Castiglione, longtime voice of the Boston Red Sox, and new Rays process and analytics coach, in Jonathan Ehrlichman. Hey, today is your last day. You can get a special Game of Thrones ticket package for a Rays pivotal division matchup against the Yankees. For just $30, you get a ticket on May 10th or 12th and an exclusive Game of Thrones shirt. Visit RaysBaseball.com for more info today. If there is ever something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me at Neil Solons or at Rays Radio. On our show next week, you'll learn a little bit more about Jalen Beeks and the World Series ring he got for being part of the Boston Red Sox organization, that and much more. Special thanks to our producer today, Derek DeBose, and on-site Greg Bogus as well. I'm Neil Solons, getting set for the Rays and the Red Sox, the finale of three. Thanks for listening. The pregame show's next on the Rays Baseball Network.